0: The Triad Podcast Network is brought to you by Ashley McKenzie Sharp and the Sharp Mortgage Team, who are here to tell you that there are options for people in Winston-Salem ready to buy a home, but are hesitant because of interest rates. The Sharp Mortgage Team can help buyers in many ways, including using North Carolina down payment assistance and a program called the 2-1 Buy Down. How does it work? The buyer pays a fee at closing to reduce the interest rate on the buyer's mortgage by 2% in year one and 1% in the second year. This temporarily lowers the buyer's monthly payment to make the home more affordable. Then in two years, the buyer can look to reduce the interest rate by refinancing the house. Now that so many homes are on the market, this is a fantastic way to negotiate with the seller so that you both win. The Sharp team is here to help buyers all around the Triad purchase their next home. Get started with a simple email, ashley at sharploans.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y at S-H-A-R-P-E loans.com, ashley at sharploans.com.
1: This is the Triad Podcast Network. I'm Algernon Cash and you're locked in. The midterm election season is winding to a close not quite done yet across the country still a lot of races across the country there where they're. tallying the final votes, so that we can figure out which party is truly going to have control of Washington. But here in North Carolina um, the race is over and the results are in and i've got a group uh, roundtable of Community and political and business leaders to break down everything that just happened in this midterm election season they've already gotten started off air so they were already practicing so i can tell you right now that you're in for a really really great conversation let me introduce you to my guests we've got former lexington mayor newell clark who's also a great friend of mine as well as former congressman mark walker who's an equal friend of mine as well as mitch koka who is a senior policy analyst at the john locke foundation and a longtime friend as well. Welcome to um, the Locked In program. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, well, Awesome, awesome. Well, I've been trying my best to cover this midterm election season all, all year long. There's been a lot of twists and turns, and I think Mark Walker could probably attest to that. Um, but it's been a really interesting season, and it's all come to a close. And um looks like, at least here in North Carolina, it was a big red wave, at least here in North Carolina maybe not quite the red wave that people were anticipating at a national level, but Republicans certainly had a good night here in North Carolina. I guess let's start there. You, you know, Mark, I know you put a lot of passion and energy into the judicial races. We're gonna get to that, because I know you're you're very anxious to highlight some of the results from that particular race, but I, I guess let's just start at the top of the ticket. I mean, the US Senate race, I mean, which was a race that you were in at one time before you um, lost in the primary. Um, were you shocked by anything at the top of the ticket last night?
2: Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the, the the DNC and the major Republicans kind of uh, approach this race kind of trepid. They know that North Carolina historically on the Senate races tends to go Republican. Five of the last six Republicans have won the U.S. Senate race. Burr, uh, who uh, Ted Budd was replacing, won his last two Senate races by an average of eight percent. So that's why nothing surprised us there. I think North Carolina is a red state, somewhere between 3% and 5%. Uh, Mr. Bud ran a good campaign, a solid campaign, Uh, didn't get outside the lines and do or say anything that would create more havoc for a campaign, which is what you want your candidate to do. I applaud him for running such a great campaign. And I think uh, I was not surprised by that. I think the little surprise on the federal level was the Bo Hines race over in District 13. A uh, big Trump endorsed candidate there that did not uh, live up to expectations. I know my friend, Steve Scalise, I was talking with, they were counting on that race and it did not come to fruition last night here in North Carolina.
1: You know, let's let's stay in that vein for a moment, um, Congressman. I, I mean, you you mentioned that um, Bo Hines was Trump endorsed. Um, obviously, um, Ted Budd was Trump endorsed as well. Some would argue that at least during the general election, he didn't mention the president too often um certainly used it to his benefit in the primary um you, you know it, it it seems like the general consensus amongst the pundits today is that last night wasn't too good for Donald Trump um but what, what's your assessment
2: no I I think I think it, it just being kind of straight up with you I think there was a little bit of a rebuke on some of the candidates there and I think this is why when you know not only North Carolina is considered a swing state we we live in a very uh tight political arena And I think that's ultimately what comes down to it is through the primary, selecting good, strong candidates that not only use strong rhetoric to talk about the problems, but understand from a leadership perspective what it takes to bring about solutions. We're in that zone now, and as tight as these races are, uh, Republicans, if you don't put up the right candidates, I think as we saw last night, Pennsylvania governor and other places uh, that, that just were never considered Candidates in the swing states, which are making more and more of our states across the, I I think Ron DeSantis, of course, my friend there I served with four years in the U.S. House, he put a huge marker down and uh, it's interesting to see some of the chatter on Twitter between one camp and the other that's already started.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of these candidates fared very well in primaries, but um, wasn't quite built for the the general election. And um, I think that was part of the concern that Senator Mitch McConnell expressed earlier on in the campaign season or the election season. You know, Mayor, um, you and I have had a lot of offline conversations about this midterm election season, and we've talked a lot about the influence that our former President Trump still has on the party, not only here in North Carolina but across the, the the country. After watching some of the results from last night, do you think that former President Trump is still an asset, or is he more of a liability now?
3: It's you know, it's a good question. I think everyone's asking that as we start re reevaluating, taking a look at numbers and. As Congressman Walker said, I think the first thing I did this morning when I and it, can I say pick up a paper? I know we're. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> do we do we still pick up a paper? Um, but uh, I, I immediately went to 13, and uh, part part of that was we uh, Lexington was in the 13th. We've been redrawn into the 8th now. We'll be represented by uh, Congressman Dan Bishop, who I met recently and won last night. But I, I I went to look at uh, to see how Bo Hines had done, and you know. Obviously, he had lost. And that was something he heavily weighed on, you know, the uh, former president backing him and, and putting him into office. And now he was working. He was out there working, too. I mean, it, but uh, I think the congressman had a very good point. It's you got to have uh, candidates that are resonating. And uh, it's interesting did I, did I read it right, though. Is it is it a seven seven split now for, for North Carolina? Is that um, yes. what mm-hmm. I was seeing? Yeah. So yeah, it's. It's 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 definitely something that um, I, I haven't put my final thoughts on exactly in, in looking across the nation. But I mean, we saw a lot of Trump back candidates that didn't have the success that they were expecting at all. And I, I think I think really what that's telling you, and I'm going to speak on a local level for that. I mean, you've you got to be able to talk to your constituents and, and address their concerns and have ways of solving those issues. And I think we're getting that's what it's telling me we're getting back and I don't know the needle has completely swung that way, but folks are really wanting to say, hey, what are you as a candidate going to do to help me and my family and my community? And that's what we do on a local level every day. And so I think that's something we're gonna start seeing on the national level um, as as well. We all have different duties, obviously. A congressman is gonna have different duties than uh, what I'm gonna have and, and had as a mayor uh, in that situation. But that's what I was seeing is I really think people are starting to swing back to really wanting to know what these candidates are about and not this bombastic rhetoric that we hear sometimes.
0: The Triad Podcast Network is sponsored by Jennifer Johnson, owner of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and a local certified financial planner who helps people plan for big financial goals such as retirement or college. Especially now, navigating markets is challenging particularly for those gearing up for retirement, young professionals, business owners, or retirees. Am I saving enough for retirement? As a business owner, do I need a workplace retirement plan to attract and retain key employees? Am I using the right individual investment strategies? Personally, I had some of those questions. Plus, how do I save for my kids' college education? So I went and got local independent advice from Jennifer and her team at Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. They're located at Winston-Salem, and you can get started like I did with a complimentary, no-obligation consultation right here in the triad. Just call 336-701-1600 or email jennifer at the number three dot magnoliascom Jennifer at 3-magnolias.com. And be sure to catch Jennifer's podcast covering all sorts of financial tips, trends, and strategies right here on this same feed with the Triad Podcast Network. Securities offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors. 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satera Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity.
1: From your mouth to God's ears, I I would welcome that swing back. I I like having those actual policy debates and debates about ideas and campaigns that are based on ideas. I I actually, I miss those times when campaigns were based on ideas. And um, so I do hope hope we migrate back to what you just said. You know, Mitch, you spent a lot of time analyzing polls. You know a lot of the insight and data related to these races. You know, Congressman Walker said he wasn't too surprised by the top of the ticket race between Beasley and Bud. However, when I looked at it, I was a little surprised by the tight margin. Did the the, the margin between those two, you know, have any, did, did you have any thoughts about that either way?
4: Well, it was a little bit tighter than what you might consider to be sort of the generic statewide Republican versus Democratic vote. And I calculate that basically by looking at some of the judicial races especially the ones that had less attention where you you figure the people don't really know much about the candidates one way or the other like the court of appeals races and it probably does come down quite a bit to the party label those seem to be about five point margin 53 47 52 48 somewhere in that in that vicinity and the the margin between Representative Budd and former Chief Justice Beasley was tighter than that. But you also have to factor in the fact that there were third-party candidates, which we didn't see in some of the other races. Mm. And they take uh, take a couple of percentage points out of there. You had uh, the Libertarian candidate and something that became a, a, a news story in this race, the fact that there was a Green Party candidate. Democrats spent a lot of time and energy trying to keep the Green Party off the ballot, I don't think that ended up being a factor because of the, the fact that it ended up being four points or more for uh, for Congressman Bud, But certainly at one point in this race, Democrats thought this was a seat they could take and that having a Green Party candidate on the ballot might hurt their efforts to do that. So mm. I would think that you would have to at least factor in a little of the, the tighter gap to the fact that there were two other alternatives on the ballot. Plus, we also had in our our polling, and the John Locke Foundation does the the regular Civitas poll, we had shown quite consistently uh, in recent months, Congressman Bud running behind the generic Republican congressional vote by a point or two. Mm. Uh, Sherry Beasley overperforming the generic Democratic candidate. And I think both campaigns were factoring that in. As it turned out, the gap wasn't that large, but it was a it, uh, or that the gap wasn't that uh, different between the, what would be the generic vote and the, the Senate vote. But it was at least something that up up until maybe the final month or so of the race, people were seeing as a potential uh, factor that Ted Budd would have to keep in mind and not just sit back and say, I've got this race won. And on the other side, that Sherry Beasley could say, well, this is still winnable if we can get enough support. But as the polling uh, came out in the final few weeks, you could tell by the way that the expenditures were coming forward, the Democrats were starting to move their resources to other races that they mm. thought were more winnable. And Republicans were not putting in the resources because they did not need to, to shore up Ted Budd as they thought they might have to a little while ago.
1: You know, when I was moving around during the early voting um, part of the mid, uh, the midterm election season, and then even on actual election day, I just never felt like there was a, a, an, a, a, a strong amount of enthusiasm from the Democratic side. I mean, did the did, did Democrats also maybe have a turnout issue, Mitch, as well? Or, I mean, did they really get their voters to the polls?
4: I think turnout may have been somewhat of an issue. And part of that, I think, was an early peak. I mean, we saw that there was a lot of energy from the Democratic Party, but at the wrong time. It came Mm. about after the US Supreme Court came out with the ruling in the Dobbs case overturning Roe v. Wade. You saw Democrats were really up in arms. I think had the election been uh, right after that point, they would have been able to mobilize folks pretty well to, to get out there. But that issue kind of peaked a little bit early, and we also don't want to overemphasize how much that issue would have benefited Democrats, because there are quite a few people for whom the abortion issue is a top priority, if not the top priority, who are on the other side of the fence. They want candidates who are pro life and, and are going to do something about that. But I do think that was an issue that galvanized Democrats, but it galvanized them in the summer. And it's hard to keep people fired up throughout months and months of a campaign season, especially when they don't have something that's continually firing them up for a different reason than the one that got them fired up back in June.
1: You, you know, Congressman, um, you when you lost the primary, um, un, unlike one of your other opponents who I won't mention today, um, you, you didn't go home and lick your wounds. Uh, you turned right around and, and got back active and used a lot of your uh, name recognition and visibility and resources to actually flip the courts. And I, I watched very closely and carefully as you went through the, the 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 campaign that you did across the state. I actually attended one of your events over in Greensboro, very well attended. Um, what what motivated you to really put all this energy behind the North Carolina Supreme Court?
2: Well, I believe in the cause. Uh, and we had six wonderful candidates. And the more places I traveled, where it was conservative organizations or churches I speak in, I found that many places could not even name a single judicial candidate by, by name. They just didn't know who was running. And I felt like that was an avenue that we could bring about awareness. Um, I am a firm believer that in Raleigh, the state legislature should be the ones making the decisions on voter ID, but through the will of the people through con- on congressional lines. When the North Carolina Democratic-led Supreme Court literally overrode our constitution the state legislature and selected a couple grand masters from michigan to draw our congressional lines i said you know what we've got to do something about that and I, listen i've never been did i did i like everything that happened no do i still think that when i had the best record in congress and experience leading up with this i always will but i'm not going to take my ball and go home Because uh, mm. if i do then then it, then it says a lot about who i am uh, when it comes to the attention is is this really about the principles and the ideals that we believe in, or is it me building some PR campaign? And not to try to pat ourselves in the back, this this credit deserves many people, most importantly, to the six wonderful candidates that we had. But there were people working across the state to really make a difference for judges. And I, I, I'm i surprised uh, a little bit. I thought two to three point wins. Uh, we had one that won by seven points and all mm. of them by four and a half to five points and higher. Uh, And I'm just very proud of them right now. And I think it's going to make a huge difference in the years to come for North Carolina.
0: As the season changes here in the triad, so does the feeling of being outdoors. The humidity lessens, the mosquitoes start to disappear. It's just more comfortable. But as those things drop, so do the temperatures. So how do you make sure you can still enjoy being outside? Well, here's a solution. How about a screened-in porch with a fireplace? I feel more relaxed just reading that sentence. Our friends at Icon Custom Builders have been transforming homes in the triad since 2005 and can help clients enjoy their homes year round through all seasons. Whatever is on your wish list, large or small, Icon can help. You dream it and their full service design build team can turn it into reality by guiding you through every step of the process. Just visit their website, iconcustombuilders.com to schedule a consultation and start your dream project today.
1: Well, I think it's great work and you you know, I'm a a student of politics. I I just like the political game. And again, when I I saw you transition from the Senate campaign, but then just immediately get back out on the road and and start working towards the judicial races, I thought that was very, very smart and um, you know. I, I just thought that was a very strategic, very smart move. You know, for someone, and even including me, Congressman, I don't, I'm one of those two that don't always follow the judicial races as closely as I should. I am very happy. My, my good friend, Judge Dietz, um, was victorious. I've, I've known um, Rich really going all the way back to the EA Morris days, uh, Mitch. Um, so I've known him for a very long time. So glad to see him on the court. But for, for someone like me, Congressman, who doesn't follow these races all the time, what is... Last night and the, the 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 wins that you all had at the judicial level, what does that mean for the average North Carolinian?
2: Well, it means for the average North Carolinian that the way they vote uh, and how they vote in supporting their state legislature and the laws that are passed would actually be put into play long term. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that the left, in many cases, realized what they could not get accomplished legislative wise, they would use judicial activism and make create these lawsuits. Uh, that would come in from out of state, it would eventually work itself to the North Carolina Supreme Court, and they would rule in favor of these activists, therefore negating what the will of the people and how they voted and who they voted for at our state house. So by winning these uh, strong five to two now North Carolina Supreme Court, and don't forget about a court of appeals, which we have an incredible majority there who filter some of this stuff out in the meanwhile, but that means that the way that people vote and the legislation that they're pushing for from their state legislatures will now be law and will stay law and not have to worry so much about these activists that come into our state and create these lawsuits.
1: You you know, Mayor, speaking about the legislature, um, great night for Republicans in the legislature, in the General Assembly, supermajority within the Senate chamber, um, one vote away from a supermajority on the House side. Were there any General Assembly races that you were paying especially close attention to?
3: Well, you know, always uh, I'm, I'm the local guy, so I'm paying attention to what's happening around with us locally. Uh, of course, some of the surrounding counties, I was uh, paying attention to John Hardister, a good friend of ours as well. The majority whip and uh, just uh, felt like he had it, uh, you know, in hand. But you never know. We we're always setting up with a challenge. But really, the, the push was for that super majority. And that's what we were all looking at and counting county to see where that comes back to in terms of being able to to push some uh, legislation through, and how is that going to stand? And is it going to uh, stand up against a veto and, and that sort of thing? So, really, uh, it was just um, it pretty simple in Davidson County. I mean, we are uh, we everyone knows we're a red county as far as Davidson is concerned, um, and I don't think any of our uh, our representatives that were up really had any strong challengers that were there. They were all challenged, um, but I think when you, it really, when you start looking at it, it's, it almost lines up like the United States in a way you know, mm-hmm. our rural areas are still red. Our, uh, metro areas are blue. And, and that's what you start seeing when you, when you start looking at kind of what, what, how it lays out in North Carolina. So no, no real big surprises to me.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you know, John and I are good friends, mutual friends with, with you as well, Mayor. And, um, he was nervous. I know he listens to the show, so I'm, I'm gonna put it out there. He was nervous. Um He, yeah. he was nervous, and um, I think you always have to be nervous in these races. You never know what's gonna happen. But I, I always yeah. felt strongly that he was gonna pull it out. You know, I think I think yeah. Hardest is a great representative. Yes, sir. Right. Here.
2: And remember, he's in a D2 rating. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's not uh, no laydown. I mean, so for him to win as strong as, in fact, I texted him earlier today. That's a strong win to be in a D2 rating seat. So I applaud him as well. He does a great job.
1: He, he does I, I mean and I think he is symbolic of um when you have good constituent services you answer the phone you show up you just do what you're supposed to do as a representative and don't get caught up in all the muck um people want to keep you there and um I, I thought that was a great race and um you know very very happy for him um you, you know you mentioned mayor small town and you, you know you're right I mean across our state it, it's largely rural and then you've got you know five sort of urban areas that 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 are important. What are they talking about in Davidson County? What are voters talking about in Lexington? What are they saying down there that people in a Raleigh, Durham, Greensboro, Winston, Asheville might not be hearing?
3: Well, you know, I, I'm I'm sure they're even having it in the larger cities, but everyone is concerned about their their pocketbooks and and how dollars are getting a little bit tighter. Uh, you know, everyone's uh, you you will hear. Uh, if you go in the grocery store, you just listen to the moms pushing the grocery carts, and they'll you'll hear them uh, refer to the price of milk or something of that effect. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the daily uh, cost. I mean, everyone's concerned about that. And then it's it's interesting because a lot of times when when that conversation starts happening, it tends to go all all the way to the top, and everyone starts talking about what's happening at the federal level, and we don't necessarily pay attention to that local level. Uh, mm-hmm. What is happening at your Mayor and city council level, what's happening at your county commissioner level, and even at the general assembly, and that's something that I—it I, was fascinating for me to listen uh, and, and and a congressman talk about the judges because I I just wonder how many people actually go into a voting booth and see those names for the first time and go um, I'm a I'm a female, her name's Lisa, I'm going to vote for her. You know, I mean it's it's and and we're really not paying attention to some of these positions that really affect us and. So my point to that is we're having a conversation, but I don't think as uh, general citizens, we're not going further to say, OK, who's going to really affect that uh, for me? And, and how do I pay attention to that and, and cast my vote in a way that really can be effective in my daily life?
0: Timing is everything in life, and I'm certainly hoping that my timing is right to deliver this message to you from the Ginther Group, a triad real estate team with a vast local knowledge. What's the question you often ask yourself when it comes to buying or selling a home? Is this the right time? Buyer's market, seller's market, low interest rates, high interest rates, doesn't matter. The answer can always be yes. You just have to strategize appropriately. And we provided many of those guides in our podcast with Blake Ginther and his team right here on this same feed. But here's a new one offered by the Ginther Group. Let's say you want to sell, but your home condition isn't ideal for a competitive marketplace. They've got a program that can help called Renovate Now, Pay Later. That's right. If your home is a little rough around the edges, you can make the improvements now and pay at closing when you sell. Contact the Ginther Group at 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to learn more and see if it's an option for you. You can also talk to them about other helpful resources like their first-time homebuyer seminar or a real estate wealth management consultation. Whatever you need, contact them today. And like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life.
1: I've always said that if I do decide to run for office, I do have the right last name. So I... I, I, (laughs) I think everybody would be be willing to vote for more cash, you know, and, and absolutely you know, I may have to run a judicial race myself one day and see, see, see how I land. For some uh, reason I'm,
2: I'm thinking he's already bought that website, Mitch. I've never,
3: can you hear me? I, yeah. I've, I've never ran a statewide race, but with initials NC, I've got a leg up.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. I, it, no, to, to your point, though, I I had um I kicked off early voting with our former clerk of court here in town, uh, Miss Renita Linville, and we were talking about this race. And I really I was someone that really thought the abortion issue was going to matter a lot more and, and create a lot of Democratic enthusiasm. And, you know, she who is a Democrat, she told me she said she didn't think the issue was going to move the needle as much for Democrats. And she thought that it was still about pocketbook issues like you're talking about the economy inflation housing those kind of things and um she turned out to be right and she was talking about her own party so um I mean I think that's the outcome that we saw last night you know Mitch as I get ready to start wrapping up here um the the next legislative session is around the corner I know you're already getting prepped forward and studying what the most important issues are after seeing the results of last night races in the Senate and then obviously in the NC house what can we expect? What should we look for in this upcoming legislative session?
4: Well, I think certainly there's not going to be a major change of course. I mean, we've been talking about the the fine points of supermajorities. Let's remember, first of all, Republicans contain uh, retain significant control over both chambers. So you're not going to see a Democratic House or a Democratic Senate with far different priorities. The priorities are going to be about the same. I think had That one other House race flip from blue to red and you had super majorities, veto proof super majorities in both chambers. You might see a little bit different action from the General Assembly because they would say, look, we really don't have to worry about Governor Cooper and his veto stamp as long as we could stick together. Now, uh, to, to pass bills that would be able to withstand a veto, they would need to get at least one Member of the House uh, Democratic Caucus to go along with them. So that changes the calculation a little bit. But I think they're still going to say that voters gave them uh, an endorsement. Voters said that, look, we're going to give you two more seats in the Senate, give you a supermajority there. We're going to give you two more seats in the House, get you closer to a supermajority there. That's an endorsement of what they've been doing. And so I think they're going to pursue very similar policies to what they have. Uh, If there's a bill that has a real partisan ring to it, they're going to have to make sure if they want it to get passed that they can at least get a couple of Democrats to go along with them and not only vote for the bill the first time, but then vote for it on an override, which has been the challenge in recent years. I also briefly want to tie uh, up several things that we've been talking about because they are linked. We talked about the the judges and electing judges. Remember that despite the fact that we had basically a generic four to five point Republican win statewide in these races, that only translated into a 7-7 congressional map and the the falling short of the the supermajority in the state house. And part of that is because of the election maps we had, which Mm. are based on the fact that we had a Supreme Court that had four Democrats and three Republicans. And the four Democrats decided to play partisan and create out of thin air a new state constitutional requirement that you can't have any partisan gerrymandering as defined by the four Democrats on the state Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So the fact that people have decided to vote in a Republican majority on the Supreme Court, which will stay in effect through 2028, because the next couple of seats that come up are Democratic seats again. Uh, That is going to be a significant uh, way for Republicans to ensure that things that they pass in the coming years are going to be able to withstand the court's scrutiny, because presumably the justices who will weigh legal issues, they're not partisans typically, but they're going to look at what the General Assembly does and not try to invent some way to throw it out. They're going to say, Does it comply with the Constitution? What the Constitution actually says? And if it does, they're going to say yes, it could go forward, whether it's election maps, whether it's some sort of voter integrity issue, whether it's something to do with educational parental choice. The Supreme Court is going to defer to the General Assembly Unless the General Assembly does something that is clearly unconstitutional based on what the Constitution actually says, not on what the justices think it should say. And so I think all of these things are wrapped up together in those election results.
1: And Congressman, you were you were um, someone who was right in central for that 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 entire race. Um, You know, the election happened less than 24 hours ago, so I know you're already getting bored now. Um, so do, do you want to break any news, any plans for
2: 2024? Uh nice sit up there, I was wondering, I was trying to keep up with you there, but, uh, not not at this point, look, we're praying about it, processing all the different opportunities, we've been back and forth to DC a couple times, we want to, we want to serve, uh, you know, we want to make sure that people remember that these aren't PR campaigns, this isn't just about Reddit, this is about serving your community, whether it's local, statewide or on a national level, so if Something opens up that we can re-engage that. We're willing to look at it, but uh, happy to do what we can to support others. And I do think the state legislature, if I could wrap up with this last comment, is going to be very interesting because I think it could be a perfect scenario for Tim Moore, who, who, if you had the uh, the supermajority of both, the expectations of our friends, uh, our conservative friends across the board would expect you to be here. So it gives him a little bit of buffer to find one or two Democrats that will work with him that he can get a lot accomplished but maybe not quite as much as some of our groups uh and friends on the right there so it'll be interesting to see what happens there
1: now that is um mayor i'm getting ready to run out of time i've got the last question for you this is the one everybody's dying to know are you enjoying retirement (laughs) Uh,
3: very much so very much so it's been great to re-engage and be with the family a lot more and uh, but at the same time as the congressman says you know. Uh, we, we, whenever we do and uh, put our name on a ballot, it's about service. So I continue to be available and and serve the community and, um, and looking forward, I already, uh, reached out to, uh, Congressman Bishop, uh, Dan Bishop and and invited him to Lexington and Mm. want to introduce him to the city manager. And I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? (laughs) 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 That's That's not my job. job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, but it's been, uh, yeah, still, still gotta get over always wanting to be a part of that, but no thanks for asking it's been wonderful and uh the community has been great in in supporting me and continue to support me as i as i do my work around the community now
1: well something tells me that you're bored too and my audience will see will see you out there again doing something of some kind but um yeah you know, i really appreciate everybody just locking in with me today uh, just as a reminder to my audience the other voices that you've heard today as um, former mayor of lexington newell clark uh, former Congressman Mark Walker, and then Mitch Kocot, who is a senior policy analyst at the John Locke Foundation. How, John?
4: Is- yes, sir. Could, could I jump in move one quick? Yeah, comment. yeah, you uh, can you, go you, right you, Take, take you, the floor. You were trying. You were trying to get an announcement from the congressman, and this is a perfect point to to mention that we don't do know that one thing the General Assembly is going to do next year is redraw congressional maps, mm. and I'm guessing that there is going to be a map that might be a lot more friendly to a Mark Walker re-election bid than the one that we had for the elections this time around?
1: Oh, I'm, oh, I'm certain you'll see my friend back out there again. He, he's, he, he's already I'm pretty sure today he's already been cooking up some new plans that he'll 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 launch and introduce to us again thank y'all for being here to my audience I appreciate you locking in with me make sure you stay tuned to WTOB because every Sunday morning that is where the locked in show broadcasts. you can catch me there at 7 30 a.m but if you happen to miss me there hopefully you're subscribed to our podcast and you can download that at Spotify, Pandora, Apple, wherever you get your favorite podcast, you can lock in there. Make sure you continue to follow Algernon Cash on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, y'all stay locked in.